Hello and welcome to The Don Father, a family podcast about the Essendon Football Club. And that's right, we have got through the first part of the off-season. We've gotten through the trade period, the first part of the free agency period, uh, and we're just coming up on the draft in about a month, maybe about five weeks from now. It's quite late this year. 28th and 29th, I believe, is the draft date. Maddie, how are you feeling? How's life been without football? Well, when you're an Essendon fan, life without football is actually pretty good. Uh, there's no one letting you down weekly, uh, no one getting you uh, unreasonably excited and then uh, catastrophically failing you the week after. Uh, when you're an Essendon fan, it happens in about three to four week spurts instead. So uh, obviously, and I'm sure uh, we'll dissect this, uh, the external reviews getting done, you know, while we finish the season, uh, external reviews getting done, coaching uh, panel, you know, look like we we're going through a really thorough and good process. We then appoint a CEO and, you know, things are looking up and then they take an absolute nosedive as he is the wrong man. He wasn't the man. Uh, and now, you know, we're sort of on the ascension again, a couple of picks uh, up in the trade period. And, uh, a, 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 well, a coach as well. So that's another thing um, with the draft coming up. Well, we're, we're going to... So. We're going to jump into that. Uh, that's sort of why we're here to discuss all of that. But um, oh, I'm with you. Just to, yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you initially. Um, it's been pretty good not having to watch the Bombers and record every week. It's really tough work when your team's shit. When your team's sort of on the cusp of, as as Rob Delasacho, uh, Roberto Delasacho says, uh, content creation is sort of the best when you're. On the cusp of the eight, you're fighting for a spot. When you're really good, it's kind of boring. And when you're really bad, it's really not fun. So I've really enjoyed the time uh, away from, you know, the having, not having to watch, we watch real closely anyway, but not having this um, regular pod that you've got to do and, and relive your depression, right? Yes. I mean, you can uh, focus on other ventures, um, you know, fathering your child. Doing a magnificent job of that, um, making pizzellis. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's right. Eating cannoli. Um, eating cannoli. Making some yeah. pasta. That's it. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, well. I, I, I know Rob said uh, podcasts are really boring when your teams are really good, but I'm not sure how he speaks from any of that from experience because uh, we've actually never been that good. That's, well, not, that's not, true. Not in the history of podcasting, anyway. Not so. not in the history of podcasts, but. Um, we have been good in the past, and I feel like that we're going to be good again. Actually, yeah. I, f- uh, well, I feel go. like that we are putting a foundation into place that I'm really happy with. Let's just talk about this in really appropriate terminology. I feel like the engine check, Gregorio has gone through the plane, and it's sound. And, you know, he's he's tapped on the walls. He's had a look at the windows. He's fixed the lights. He's looked at the engine. I feel like it's sound. And I feel like the pilot has just turned the engine on. We're not... We haven't, we haven't taxied to the runway yet. The engine is just coming on. But I feel like we're going to fly soon. Now, well, a bit of context there for our uh, listeners. Uh, and then a bit of a story time for you as well. 
Um, but mind you, by the way, this is the most Essendon thing ever. New coach, new this, new that. Oh, finally, the, the, nothing's been done yet. Uh, uh, so I'm going to, unlike yourself, I'm going to I'm going to rate it in, which is very unessendon like. Uh, but for context, uh, Gregorio is my father, and I was telling Nicholas uh, about a week ago that, well, both of our fathers are engineers. So, mm. uh, Nicholas, your father is uh, civil engineering, except when he's not very civil. <laughs> But, uh, you know, Nicky would say that when you would go to certain buildings as a child, your dad would, uh, you know, tap on a wall or uh, I don't know if the listeners could hear that on my microphone. Or, or just bounce inspect- on the floor. Just just do a in- building inspection, impromptu. Inspect the structural integrity of the building uh, and the architecture behind it. But uh, my father is a uh, an aircraft maintenance engineer. And if uh, we would, uh, when we would fly, uh, particularly as children, um, uh, you know, he'd hop on the plane and uh, dad in uh, typical sort of just general dad fashion would, oh, oh yeah, this is the uh, Boeing A3-205. Oh, and then he'd start playing with the air con. Oh, yeah, oh, this, oh, this is a bit buggered. This is, oh, right, eh? let me fix that up. And then he'd uh, walk walk around and sort of inspect the floor with a little the foot tap that you do. And, oh, jeez, they've got to fix that up. And, oh, they missed that. And, uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm probably a bit harsh on the, on the, on the guy. But, hey, there was one time, uh, I think uh, we got we got sort of uh, cheaper tickets because uh, Dad works for, for Qantas. Um, uh, so, but the, the sort of uh, agreement or agreement or whatever you want to call it, uh, the kicker was that um, we could only get tickets on flights where there were seats available, like regular customers got tickets yeah, yeah. Uh, preference. Yeah, on standby. Yeah, standby. That's that's what I'm looking for. But uh, there was one time there were three seats on a plane and obviously uh, oh, no. I, um, my brother and I were pretty young, I think uh, under 10 or 12 or something. Anyway. Oh, who got left behind? So Gre- Gregorio got left behind uh, as the noble man he is. But then he's gone, hang on, whips out his ID badge and he's got to fly in the cockpit. Oh! <laughs> so there you go. So uh, yeah, he was pretty. How stuck. was that flying in the cockpit? That would have been a cracker. Yeah, yeah, no, very, very well, very handy to have the uh, the uh, well. And they say the green card, but it's actually a red card from from memory, and you can just sort of uh, you can get in the cockpit. So how long was the flight? Uh, I think we were going to Queensland, so maybe like two hours or something. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a but, cool. Uh, yeah, there you go. Mm. Um, so sorry. Uh, st- well, another story time uh, for you. So the other day, I'm uh, so bored. hadn't hadn't uh, been sort of uh, in between uh, career parts, in between jobs. So yeah, anyone between... anyone need a, a part time <laughs> teacher because uh, <laughs> Maddie's looking for work. <laughs> no, well, I can't do much because I'm waiting for my registration to go through. But once that's uh, come through, we, we should be all good. Yeah. But. Uh, Anyway, a bit bored, all right. So I uh, flick on the TV, try to turn on Netflix. Uh, it was only my housemate had his account, but he shut off his account. I uh, said, oh, don't use it, so I'm oh, a bugger. Anyway, go to KO. Uh, on there, it has old AFL grand finals. And oh, beauty! Couldn't help myself but tuck into 2000 and uh, 1993. So How were they? Uh, that was good. It was good to watch. I, see, I, I never really understood how good James Hurd was. Like I, when I got into footy, he was sort of at the end. I think we, you know, 2004, 2005, 2005 he was at the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, oh, that he that season, mate. 
He yeah, it's just something else. There's one handball. I can't remember what quarter it's in, but he's in the middle of a pack, and he just flicks out this handball, and it hits. I think Barnard on the run inside fifty, and he just slots it home. Like it just constant play like that that he yeah. just would find space or do things that nobody else could do. It was pretty yeah. incredible. It was a pretty different game back then as well, before we uh, get on to the real stuff. But... Yeah, I haven't, I haven't watched 2000s footy for a little while, but I imagine watching it with more with a different lens now because we're so used to seeing different games. Like, what what did you notice in particular? Uh, just like sort of uh, very contest-based. It's very much like if you have it at halfback, get it to the next contest at half forward uh, mm. and then uh, let them battle it out. Very, very contest-dominated. Yeah. Uh, whereas now it's it's eighteen guys moving as one and eighteen guys moving as one the other way. Whereas yeah. it was just like uh, you know one on one all around the ground. So yeah, yeah. and just kick long and uh, yeah. But I, I think the game's changed that regard. But uh, anyway, yeah, I I tend to agree. Um, so Maddie, let's let's discuss the elephant in the room, the CEO appointment and resignation all in the space of 24 hours. How do you feel about it? Let's uh, let's touch on it really quickly. I know, that, I know the listeners would have probably heard enough about this and there was enough in the media about um, r- religious discrimination, et cetera, et cetera. But give me your thoughts. Um, geez, I've got to risk uh, not getting cancelled here. Um, mm. But no. Uh, well, look, I mean, I think what's... What's most concerning is is the lack of uh, research or research we've done. Behind, I mean, you think if you're going to appoint a CEO, you know and scour this guy back to front. Um, Matt, look, in, in fairness, it may not be easily accessible information, but you think you'd have uh, some of your team go and really scour the corners of the uh, the internet and find out a lot about this guy uh, and, and, the, and or the church and how it all works and operates and blah, blah, blah. I'm not too across the uh, the finite details of it um, before you actually make the appointment. Mm. Um, I think the decision, well, he te- he stepped down, but you, you would have thought he got a tap on the shoulder. Uh, I, oh, I think it was the right one. Um, but we did, obviously, with that religious discrimination, uh, you know, you can you can get a job except if you're Catholic. Apparently, you know that sort of uh, mm. uh, argument that's been made around the traps. Uh, I think they, the optics of the situation, would deem they have a fair point. But I do think it was it wasn't the right decision to appoint him anyway. Well, I think he. I mean, having said that, he was uh, CEO of NAB at the time, in which a royal commission deemed they were doing some dodgy stuff. So uh, I'm not too sure it was, yeah, I, I don't know if it was, it was just, I don't think it was a great appointment in the first place. Yeah, I'm I'm of a similar opinion that I, I had bigger concerns initially around his NAB stuff because I didn't know anything about his his um, church involvement, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I have since spoken to... Um, people connected to the football club, connected to the Purple Bombers and that sort of thing. And it was just hearing their opinions and, and hearing their thoughts. It was just a terrible appointment to make in the first place. Um, particularly, um, some of these people have been involved in 
in churches like this and and this particular church um you know and i think i i think people are entitled to their religion entitled to religious freedom and um all that sort of stuff but if if your mission statement is to be the most inclusive diverse etc cetera, etc cetera, football club um or organization you just cannot have someone in a leadership position that doesn't hold those values um, and so the appointment itself was poor, uh, but to David Barham's credit, he fixed it straight away. Um, you know, and that's not to say that um, Thornburn holds the same views as what the church espouses, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, yeah, I appreciate that he made a good change and made it quickly. Yeah, but I I, I, um, I do question the um the process uh, in terms of uh, like how, you know, we talk about being a really thorough and process driven club and having really high, so yada, yada, yada. But uh, it does concern me a bit how this one slipped through the cracks. Like, it, it, you know, it would, it would seem, uh, you know, David in this case would be saying one thing and uh, doing uh, something completely different. Well, that's, that's which is what probably concerns me more. And that's that's the information I have is that um, people may not have been necessarily forthcoming with you know with their opinions and and that website you have to it's buried on the website you've got to really know where to look um, and it's and that's those sort of views are from a sermon from 2013 which is deep on the website so um, you know everyone's entitled to their views. Uh, I'm of the opinion you can have whatever views you like as long as you're not being harmful to other people. I really don't care. Um, but yeah, look, uh, the thing for me is the club made the wrong decision. And what I like about Dave Barham is he's willing to admit he's made a mistake and, and immediately fix it rather than dig, continuing to dig um, and getting yourself in a bigger hole, which is what Essendon has had a history of doing in the past. Yeah, no, I mean, fair point. I think, I don't know if I've said it on uh, previous episodes, but I don't mind the fact that David Barham's a little bit rough around the edges. He's not so concerned about optics as he is around what is going to get us the, the best football uh, performance and what's, what's going to drive that. What's going to make the really, football club? I actually really like that about him, that he's a bit unkempt and he's, his hair's a bit messy and like he just doesn't seem to know exactly what's, you know, how to look really schmick in front of the camera or have any political uh, sort of rhetoric, but he just gets it done. Um, and that's something that I, I really appreciate about him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think that's a lot. What we, we didn't need a... Um, it's not that we, didn't, we didn't need a political figure or a, uh, you know, a, a face. We needed a, a, a doer, someone who got down and, uh, you know, who would get on there get the hands dirty, so to speak, and was just focused on uh, the core business of the football club, which is to play good football. And, he, you know, and I think he said in the media statement with Brad Scott, who we'll get on to, um, we have done things as a club outside of football we've been uh, excellent in, and I'll actually pay that. I think we have been great. I, I um, 100% agree that in, in terms of off-field recovery from what, potentially could have killed the football club. Um, we've done a really good job. Agree. 
Well, yeah, I mean, there you go. So um, I think, yeah, you're right. It, it, the, the optics of it don't look great, uh, but at the end of the day, the right result um, has taken place, and that's that we've got, or well, we've not got a CEO, but we haven't got the wrong guy um, or a controversial figure, at, mm. uh, or for now anyway, uh, as CEO. So speaking of controversial figures, Maddie, Brad Scott, how do you feel about this appointment? Talk to me. Sorry, had the uh, the mute button uh, pressed there. Um, Brad, I look my initial. Uh, so, North Melbourne being, and that's another topic we can just talk about. Poor North Melbourne, but uh, no, nah, good. Uh, I hate North Melbourne. <laughs> Fuck them. Nothing to do. Yeah. Anyway, um, I never paid attention to North Melbourne under Brad Scott because they were never that relevant. Right, I've never, never paid attention to North Melbourne ever. Fair enough. That that would also be, uh, that would also be fair. But um, so I probably don't. I, I think when initially the, the initial appointment, I hadn't fully grasped how good of an acquisition uh, he is, or how good at coaching he is. Uh, so I heard him speak. Uh, a few points to bring up. You see a lot of people around the traps really rate uh, his ability. His twin brother uh, just won uh, the AFL Premiership. Uh, but I think what's most appealing about him, uh, well, probably two things that really appeal to me about him uh, is his previous role, so general manager of football, the mm. AFL. Um, mm. He would have an understanding of the game that no one else would. Mm. Uh, and two... Um, he has sort of come in not with a with no sort of or his minimal predetermined uh, opinions uh, as possible. It, it seems like from the outside anyway. So mm. um, you know, obviously with the truck, he had the uh, the guidance of Wusha. There are some uh, things that um, would. So, so, you know, obviously he's at the club 2019, 2020. He's gaining opinions, gaining opinions of players that would then influence his decisions in 21, 22. Brad Scott's completely fresh, doesn't have that and seems to be coming in, uh, not with like a style, I'm going to play a certain way, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, uh, but has a, uh, a fan view, hey, I'm going to do whatever's best for this playing group, uh, whatever that, that is. Yeah, I, um, I initially was very anti-Brad Scott because I hate North Melbourne. Um, but... It didn't take me long to come around to the idea of him coaching the football club. And um, there was two things that really sold it for me. Number one was I didn't have a great understanding of the scope of his previous role and how valuable that is to Essendon, uh, who are essentially looking to reset their entire football program. As a general manager of football, he knows what every football program is doing. He knows what Geelong's doing and he knows what North Melbourne's doing um, and everything in between. And so if you want someone who is going to put together the absolute top football program possible, I think he's your man. Because he, he has the best data and he has the most data and the most up-to-date data. On top of that, he understands 
what potential rule changes are coming in for next season because he's been on that panel. He is across all the a number of years of draft talent. He knows what every player's contract is, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He has such a wealth of knowledge that can set us up over the next couple of years. Obviously, that knowledge will become less and less relevant. By the end of next year, a lot of things will have changed. But in order of knowing what best practice is and how to best implement it, I think he is an incredible appointment. And the one thing that really sold me on Brad Scott was he, in one of his interviews, he said, look, I don't have any preset um, ideas on how we're going to play. I'm going to get to know the players and then I'm going to create a game plan and a play style that suits the players that I have at my disposal. And that is something that I think, not just in AFL football, but in in, um, world football, in soccer, that is something that you always want to hear, that we're going to take the players that we have and we're going to find what best suits them as a group. Um, and that I find that really exciting. Yeah, I, I would uh, I tend to agree with you there. Um, I, do, I do think that his uh, knowledge and view on the game, um, he, he, there's a very limited time frame in which that's going to be handy. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I certainly do like the approach he's taken uh, in terms of I'm going to just get to know his players and, and work with um, what we have. Um, instead of, okay, I want to play this way. but um, And I think the last thing to do that was probably Richmond. Uh, you know, obviously they, 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 for so long they tried to find a second fiddle to Jack Rewalt and eventually they said, bugger it, uh, we're going to just play small ball. And it yep. became uh, the most dominant uh, sort of brand in, in the game and then uh, in walked Tom Lynch. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I like it. Um can see what happens. Yeah, and um, look, I'm I I don't know what he's like as a match day coach because, like you, I legitimately haven't cared enough about North Melbourne to sit and watch and think that he's made good tactical decisions actually in the match day. But I also don't think that that's sort of the coach that Essendon need right now. Essendon need um, someone who can create a really good football program that's going to develop players. And I think, in my opinion, he's probably the most suited for that job out of anyone in the AFL or any, not only anyone available, but anyone in the AFL. And I think that's potentially what got him the job. Yeah. I think we can both agree that he was the best candidate for who uh, was available at the time of, uh, of the interview and uh, the prospecting and all that sort of stuff. I think we, we got the best available candidate, which I think is only a positive. And, and the process was a positive for me. The fact that they went through a process, they went through interviews, they um, had preferred candidates, they everyone got their chance to make a presentation. And then the group that they put together made a recommendation and the board ratified the recommendation. That, to me, um, 
was the most pleasing part. That for the first, it seems like the first time in a very long time, really since Matthew Knights, um, did the football club go through a proper interview process and select the person that they thought best. Are you saying Knights came in uh, with a with that sort of uh, process, or? Yes, yeah, Matthew Knights did, and then he was replaced by James Hurd's appointment, who was then replaced by Worsfold's appointment, who again didn't have due process, who was then replaced by Rutten without a due process, who, and now we end up with Brad Scott. Well, I uh, hate to say, well, hopefully we're not. Uh... Cursing ourselves here because uh, Matty Knights didn't work out too well, but um, hopefully. No, I'm, I'm talking about the process, not the. Um, I think Matthew Knights was a really bad coach at Essendon, um, and in fact, the proof was in the pudding. But um, yeah, so I'm look, I'm really happy with everything that I've seen so far. The players are very happy because they're the sort of word around the street is that he's. He drives high standards and he's quite a hard-ass coach. And that's what a lot of the players were after. So, um, look, if if they're happy, if he can get the most out of them, then we're in for a good shout. I would uh, tend to agree with that, mate. Absolutely. What's the next point of order? Well, maybe we should take a quick little break. We've been talking for about 25 minutes. So let's take a, a quick break. And then when we come back, we can uh, jump into trade week, delistings, etc. So, Matty, the most exciting week in football when your team is shit, and that is trade week. Um, Can we just first address the elephant in the room? How do Geelong walk away from trade week with Jack Bowes, pick seven, Ollie Henry, and Tanner Brune? Like... Can we just talk about Jack Bowes for a second? Um, and you know what? If he legitimately wanted to go to Geelong because he felt loved and respected by them, great. I'm I'm very happy for him. But the AFL allows salary dump contracts or salary dump trades to help that basket case of a football club, Gold Coast. And yet they allow Geelong to smooth that $1.6 million over four years. Jack Bowes has been absolutely screwed here because he moved his money around at Gold Coast to help the football club. So he played for essentially nothing, played for minimum wage or whatever it was for two years or four years of his six-year deal. They got all his money moved to the back two years and then he gets traded to Geelong to move his money off the salary cap and he's going to pay, play for Geelong for two years for free. So instead of getting 800 and 800, he's getting 400 over four years. So he's got an extra two years for the same money that he was going to get at Gold Coast. So he's playing four years for the money of two years. This is a farce. I think if you are going to allow salary dump contracts that the club must 
take the contract as it is. No fiddling with the numbers, no recontracting. Bang, you've got two years at 850, you've got to fit that under your cap. Good luck to you. I think that's the only way to keep it fair. I'm a, uh, I mean, I, I, I do see both sides uh, until, uh, you know, hopefully one day we become a destination club and, uh, you know, people want a salary dump uh, at our club. Or, you know, we take on players as a means of other clubs uh, salary dumping and, uh, you know, we're then able to restructure contracts um, in order to benefit us. Um, so, I don't know. I think it's one of those things where, you're like, you're happy if it's you, you're happy, you're unhappy if it's not you. Um, for my mind, it's like, go and make your club uh, that desirable of a place to be at, that players want to do that. Um, now... In this case, yeah, no, it's not exactly fair. I, I'd, I, just because it started well doesn't necessarily mean it will end well. So uh, I'm assuming Jack Bowes has been promised the world by Geelong. I don't know how capable they are of actually fulfilling that. Look, I don't I don't have any issue with Jack Bowes choosing Geelong. We, we came second in this race, and really the big thing for me was I wanted pick seven. Jack Bowes is, is a very decent player and could be become a very good player. But um, the my issue is with that salary restructuring. It's not that he didn't come to Essendon and that he shouldn't be going to Geelong. It's not fair. I think, but what the problem is, is that ability to just change their contract, you know? Yeah, I, I get what you mean. Um, well, isn't that essentially what you're doing? That when you trade to a different... Uh, club that you're recontracting. Oh, doesn't that happen on any deal? No, but I think it does. You need, you sign a new contract, it gets absorbed and whatever. But I think in this situation where the AFL normally doesn't allow one-sided trades like this, they said, no, we're going to allow that in terms of salary dump. I think they should stipulate, just like with free agency and just like they did with Joe Danaher, they wanted to recontract him a year later and, and spread his money out, the AFL said no. Why are they then allowing Jack Bowes to have his contract re, restructured? If, if in this particular case, it's clearly a salary dump trade. It's not a general trade of, yep, we want this player, you don't want him anymore, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. Um, so he was getting 1.6 over two years. Well, he was he was getting whatever his total amount was over six years, right? But what they did is they restructured it because they needed more room in the cap, and they put they back ended his deal, like heavily back ended it. That's a yeah, really back ended it. That's a stupid uh, money management, but uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, look, if they stepped in and said no to other deals, which I know they did earlier in the trade period, they they sort of blocked something. They blocked, um, blocked a mega trade, yeah. That's right. Um, Well, then, then it becomes, where, how far does the uh, AFL's power reach that they can block? Because it's not the actual trade. The trade is uh, Jack Bison pick seven to Geelong for pick 31. Mm. Um, then the Jack and Geelong contract is a set. That's between Jack and Geelong, not necessarily the AFL. So 
at what point do you say, no, the AFL's power only reaches this far? Or do you say they can do whatever the hell they want? I think I think they do do whatever the hell they want to get whatever outcome they want, right? Well, that's, that's um, also true. Yeah, I, I think my understanding is that all players are an employee of the AFL. Okay. That's that's my understanding. And so, anyway, um, I, I don't really know the ins and outs enough, right? But I guess the point I was making is that mm, I'm not really pleased with the result given Jack Bowes is playing two years for free for Geelong, essentially. And how the AFLPA let that happen is is beyond me. Yeah, well, I mean, there is the argument that um, if he stayed at 800, his next contract would, uh, like he might actually be better off in the long run at 400K rather than at uh, 800. Mm-hmm. That, like that, 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 there might have actually been some consideration behind doors with his management that, hey, uh, we can keep you at 800 two years, but after that, you know, you, you, there's a chance that your value could rapidly decline. You might actually be better off over four years. Yeah, that's, that's not unreasonable. But yeah, I, I wasn't in, in those conversations. No. Um, I, I don't really understand the ins and outs of, of how players value themselves and are valued by clubs, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's every chance that, um, like if he did two years at 800, um, let's say it doesn't work out at Geelong, mm. uh, that he could very well uh, be not even delisted, but, you know, free agency, uh, Geelong lowball him and he's forced mm. to move again yep. um, versus him taking four years at 400. Uh, and he's getting the same money, just uh, potentially more time to battle away for a bigger contract. And I mean, he's relocating state, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So to know that you're going to be in one spot for four years is is handy. Yeah, no, absolutely. But anyway, that's uh, Jack Bowes. We'll, we'll get onto our yeah uh, period. So how do you reckon we went? So we we brought in essentially there were some pick swaps there, but we lost Aaron Francis, and we brought in. Will Setterfield and Sam Wiedemann. How do you feel? Oh, I think it, it, um, Francis was out the door, so I think uh, his time at Essendon was up, unfortunately. Do wish him all the best. I think he'll actually end up having a career at Sydney. Um, mm. But uh, um, no, look, I think Setterfield, look, I, I, Wiedemann is one of those guys that could be someone special, but. Um, does have a lot of work to do. I did look at his highlight reel that Essendon posted uh, when we got him. And uh, to say I wasn't impressed would probably be an understatement. Mm. Um, field could could come good, but I think there was a there was a reason uh, he wasn't uh, getting uh, the time on the in his position inside mid. I mean, behind Paddy Cripps is pretty hard, but even when Cripps was out, I'm not sure that Setterfield came in and, and played there. So, uh, And they had a few mids out. Um if I'm not mistaken, so um, he did play a few games there late this year when okay. when their mids were out. Yeah, yeah, but and he um, played pretty well. Okay, well there you go. So uh, very low expectation on both. Uh, I won't be surprised if Wiedemann doesn't do anything, um, and I'm not expecting huge things out of Centrefield, um, but certainly uh, look, it could be a diamond in the rough. Find that. Uh, the Doro so often look. I think it's a net positive 
in terms of our trade period. I think we've won more than we've lost. And I, I don't mm. think we've actually lost anything because I don't think Francis was giving us uh, anything um, of value. So, look, we've picked up, guys. The the, um, the ceiling's very high. Um, mm. What we actually might get could be pretty low, but I think it's worth for what we gave up. So, for me, I actually... Um... I'm disappointed to lose Francis. Uh, he was a bit of a love child of mine um, in the same way that I don't think he really ever got the opportunity to reach his potential at Essendon for whatever reason, whether that was his own uh, mental health struggles, it was poor development in Essendon, unstable environment, whatever it is, injury struggles, etc., etc. Um, I, I really think he is a very talented player. And if he's able to get the most out of himself, um, I I expect him to become a, a really top-line AFL player. Um, so I'm really disappointed to leave uh, for him to leave us. But um, with as genuinely as I can be, I wish him all the best um, and hope he really does get the most out of himself in Sydney. Um, if you look at it as a t- in terms of a straight swap, Francis, for Wiedemann, We've gone back three picks in that draft and we've uh, sent away a defender when we probably don't have an, a room in the team for him. We were playing him forward um, in terms of Francis because we needed a forward and, and had too many defenders of his size. And we've brought in uh, a taller forward right in a position of need, that that second key forward role, or at least some depth coverage if Harrison Jones needs a rest or or hasn't been durable. I still think that we can play three talls, but um, we go back three picks in that draft. We have a similar type player that hasn't fulfilled his expected potential. In a football club that has Peter Wright, who has two years ago was in a similar situation when he came to Essendon for nothing and completely turned his career around. Um, If we can get even two-thirds the output out of Wiedemann um, with the help of Peter Wright to to give him some confidence and, and get him over the line, I think that potentially is a really big win for us. Because for whatever reason, we weren't getting the best out of Francis. If we can get the best out of Wiedemann, I think that trade is really good for us. Yep, no, I totally agree with that. Um, yeah, I just think for it, very time to play, but his time in Essendon was up, so... It wasn't working, so uh, mm. no. Yeah, but no, I'd agree with that. Hopefully, we get that out of Wiedemann. In terms okay. of Setterfield, yeah. um, we were looking at him at the number one pick when we picked McGrath. It was him or McGrath. I think it was um, Taranto. Taranto, McCluggage, McGrath were the three. Were the top three, but we, yeah. we were looking... I know Dodoro was really keen on Setterfield at number one before they set it on McGrath. Um, and as a player who is exactly what we've been crying out for for a number of years, which is a big-bodied inside mid. And again, um, at Carlton, he's behind Cripps, he's behind Kennedy, he's behind a lot of these other players in a similar position. Essendon don't have a plethora of big-bodied inside mids. And so I think he... Talent is not the question for him. It's opportunity. And I think if he is fit, and he works hard, as as by all reports he does, I think he has a walk-up start to the 22, and I think he'll add a huge dynamic to our midfield. 
Yeah, no, fair, fair call. Um, yeah, we haven't had a, a bigger body for since Job, really. So, um, well, yeah, Langers hasn't quite been that uh, big body mid. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, uh, look, I, I think it'll, it will take him some time to adjust, but uh, mm. hey, who knows? Uh, In both like situations, I, said, I think bo- both these trades are all upside. If they don't work yeah. out, we haven't lost anything. Um, and if they do, Dodoro looks like a genius. Yeah, no, low risk, high reward. So it's, uh, it's been good. So Setterfield played the last uh, one, two, three, five games of the season. Uh, his lowest disposal count was 16 against Adelaide. So he went uh, 24, 16, 18, 26, 24. Um, it's not a better finish. Yeah, yeah. Um, so look, I, I think... I think he's he's got the ability. I think he can have an impact, and I'm um, I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, no, I, I, I tend to agree. So we'll uh, yeah, no, like we said, low risk, very high reward potential. Mm. So why don't we just touch on the draft really quickly? Um, we we've got pick four, obviously, um, and to be honest, I think we're going to take best available, whether that is. Um, Sheasel, whether that is Wardlaw, there, whether that's Humphreys, there's quite a few around the mark. Um, but we're not going to get Cadman because that's where GWS have, has jumped forward to. Um, but we're going to get a pretty handy small forward or inside or midfielder at pick four, I think, which will end up being pick five. Yeah, I'll, look, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm not too across the draft. I'm not much of a uh, draft guy. Um, but uh, yeah, I've heard I've heard around the traps. Sheasel uh, looks pretty pretty solid. Mm. Um, I would like to hear that Alwyn Davy Junior uh, officially nominates Essendon as a father son uh, club. So that'd be good. Um, but apart from that, uh, yeah, look, I'll has been one of the um, things we've been able to do over the years is trust uh, Dodoro at the uh, at the draft. Normally does a solid job without being... Uh, uh, I, don't, look, I don't think he's the best recruiter in the league, but he's only pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. And look, um, my mail is that um, both Davies will nominate. That that was a bit of a, a stitch-up in, um, in the papers. Um, they're definitely very keen. They want to get to Essendon. There's no... There should be no real concerns about them nominating the Bombers. Well, I look forward to hearing uh, the official signed, sealed and delivered uh, news. Yeah, so the only risk for us is that a bid comes for Davey before our second round pick um, because then that will absorb our pick. If I think if we get our pick four and our pick 22, which will end up being 24 or 25 by the time nominations and stuff. If we can get both those picks away before Davey, then I think we've had a really good draft. Yep. No, I agree with that. Mm. We, uh, you know you're getting old when you've seen the dad and the son. That's right. That's right. Well, he already had those kids when he got drafted to Essendon. True. He was, so, like, he was, he was a bit older, wasn't he? He was, he was 20, um, 21, 22, but he'd already had the twins. Gotcha. So I remember thinking when he got drafted to the Bombers, that, hey, we might we might have a father son here, not too not too far away. Well, I dare say uh, James Hurd uh, just got Alvin Davy over the line with games played 
because uh, he had uh, a couple of sons there. Uh, look, I think he had the twins, and then while he was at the Bombers, he had two more boys, I think. And he's got a daughter as well. So, Loves kids. Um, he's, he's got a lot of kids. Um, but he was also rubbed out for a season, which means he would have, I think he would have comfortably got to 100 games, even if he wasn't nursed there. Um, and he was one of the most exciting players I, I remember watching. I really love Elwin Davey. It was very exciting. He came in in 2007 to 2013, played 100 games, 120 goals. So, no, he was. He was, he was definitely a danger man. Uh, him and, I think, when him and Lovett were up and going, uh, were very... So, his first game was at 22 years old. So, there you go. Yeah, so, and he already had the, the twins. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so, exciting times ahead. Well, Matty, there's not really much more to it. Um, you know, we're both pretty happy with the coach, both pretty happy with the trade week. Um, I guess we'll uh, we'll see how we go with the draft, and if anything major comes up over preseason, then we might jump in and and do another episode. Um, but look, I'm I'm pretty happy with the process that's going through. They've made a couple of appointments due to the external review. Um, you know, head of high performance and then head of development. And then we're just waiting for the external review to be finalised. And I wonder if we'll, we'll be able to read it. I'm not sure. Um, and then if, you know, if anything else comes to that and it's worth making an episode over, we, we can jump in. Otherwise, we'll do a season preview as, as the season draws nearer. No, it sounds good. You know, pretty short, sharp and punchy in this one. But uh, I don't think that's a bad thing. Got, got to the point, got in the juice and uh, got out. That's right. That's right. So uh, where can people find us? Uh, well, as I always say, on whatever platform you're currently listening on, but uh, obviously we've got the Instagram there, the Don Father Pod, uh, and then uh, I believe, well, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I believe we may be migrating, well, not migrating, but uh, spreading our reach onto the listener app. Oh, so nice. So I'm told, or maybe, maybe we're not, I'm not sure. Uh, and there might be another platform uh, in the in the pipeline uh, you were talking about, but we'll keep that uh, under wraps. And uh, I don't think yeah. that's a pod platform. I think that's um, I don't think they'll have our episodes. Right, uh, like a it's like called, a live it's called Wisdom. We got invited to Wisdom, um, but I think that's more of a like place for podcasters to communicate with each other and get advice from each other, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Gotcha. I will. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see. But uh, for now, they're the uh, they're the platforms. Nice. So, well, very good. Maddie, thanks for joining me on this evening. No, thanks for uh, having me. It's good to be back. Uh, it's been, uh, what, two months? Two three months? Yeah, it's been two a couple months. of months. Yeah, no, good to be. month and a half we'll go with. So, no, good little uh, good little drinks break there, and then we'll be back before you know it. So That's right, that's right. Well, Maddie, as always, go Dons. Go Dons.